0: You're listening to a CNA Podcast. Hey there, it's Andrea Heng and you're listening to the Money Talks Podcast. This week, we're not talking about how to invest or save your money. Instead, we're going to talk about how to get out of some toxic financial habits that you may or may not be aware of. It's a really personal one for me, okay, because I had so many bad, bad financial habits before I came to this podcast. But before we get into that conversation, I wanted to start with some really quick financial
1: headlines with my editor, Tiffany Ang. We call this Eye on the Money. Yes, that's right. So, a. Andrea, have you started planning for your holidays? I wanted to start on that because mm. I've been looking through... I don't usually plan for my holidays. Uh-huh. It's just that now that I have kids, mm-hmm. it helps me to forward plan. Mm, okay, yeah.
0: yes, the answer is yes. I'm already planning... I already booked my tickets and I'm already planning a trip to Japan. Nice. I'm very excited. Long-awaited okay. break. Good, and good. yeah, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: So for somebody like you, good news. If you are a fan of the multi-currency app, U-Trip, do you use it? Yes. Good. That's the
0: one I use actually. Good.
1: So they have just announced that they will raise their e-wallet limits.
0: Yeah, I was really quite happy that this news came out just recently because Mm. I am a user of U-Trip. I only strictly use it for travelling. So, yes now, users of U-Trip can hold up to $20,000 in their e-wallet.
1: Singapore dollars, by the way. Singapore dollars, Mm -hmm. that's right.
0: And then they will also give you an annual spending limit of $100,000 on that card. And then, of course, Revolut and Wise, those are their competitors. Mm. They're also expected to raise their limit too. So, what happens is, uh, along with these raised limits, U-Trip is also announcing a few anti scam security measures. Which is good. Very important. Very important when you're and using age. these cards overseas. You don't know what you're vulnerable to. Mm-hmm. So, they're going to introduce a kill switch. So, mm-hmm. what it does is it lets customers freeze their accounts. And I think it is so vital today. What mm-hmm. do you
1: use? I use Revolut. Sometimes I just feel like you get a better exchange rate uh-huh. than if you're just using your bank credit card.
0: Right, and that's important
1: to you. Of course. And also saves the hassle of going to a traditional money changer mm. as well before the trip.
0: So the other thing that we wanted to talk about also is those Red Sea attacks. Yeah, uh, that's unfortunately, So the TLDR is Houthi militants who are backed by Iran, based out of Yemen, they're attacking ships that are carrying cargo. Now, the Red Sea, if you don't already know, is one of the busiest trade routes in the world. And of course, because of these attacks, those freight rates
1: have already gone up by 20%. And that's not all. There's even a war risk surcharge of between 500 US dollars to 800 US mm. dollars. What does this all mean for us? Well, bottom line, we may have to brace ourselves to pay more. For for some of our purchases. Mm. I mean, as of now, in Parliament, they say that there is no problems on our essential supplies. Yeah, no supplies, immediate impact. No right? immediate impact, but mm-hmm. who knows how long this trip will drag for. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to know more about why these militants are attacking the cargo ships and what's being done to stop them, go to CNA.Asia to find out more. Let me
0: tell you a quick personal story. At 28, I was $60,000 in debt. I'm not going to tell you how I got there, but I will tell you that it was a long and excruciating journey to get out of it. The banks I owed probably had me on speed dial, I didn't tell my family, I didn't have anyone to turn to for help or advice. And reflecting on this time, I've arrived at the conclusion that I may have unwittingly perpetuated the same financial habits that my dad had. And it wasn't his fault, okay, because all he wanted to do was to give us the life he never had, even though he couldn't really afford it. Today, the good news is both my dad and I are completely debt-free and I cannot tell you the relief and the freedom that it has brought us. My dad can now retire in peace. The bigger question in my mind was... What if my family's financial habits were healthier? What are some toxic behaviours that we practice that makes our hard-earned money work so poorly for us? That's what we're going to be talking about today on the Money Talks podcast. And if you are in the same position right now, is it too late to unlearn those bad habits. I have just the person on the podcast to walk you through his own journey and perhaps give you some hope. He's Benny Ong, co-founder of iQuadrant, it's an investment advisory community. Welcome to Money Talks Benny.
2: Wow, your story is um, really close to heart <laughs> to mind as well. So. Right?
0: Yeah. It's like we led parallel lives at some point, right Benny? It is. Tell me, what were some of the habits you inherited from your father, financial habits?
2: So the backstory is really a typical money no enough movie plot. Like <laughs> okay. a Jack Niel movie, right? <laughs> yeah. My dad was so obsessed with providing a life, like good life for us. So when I hear how you speak earlier, oh, it touches my heart because mm. we have that big TV, we have that holiday trip that we can't yeah. afford, right? Yeah. And the next moment I realised was my dad just sunk into such a deep credit card debt and you know the interest rate of credit card debt is... Oh yeah. Is, it's brutal. It's brutal, right? Mm. So we got really trapped and I remember a time where I have five dollars a day as allowance when I'm in my poly. No way. And you know in poly we have to have breakfast, lunch and projects to dinner. Projects, right? those yeah. cost
0: so much money back
2: then. So I have five dollars a day right so I was in a very desperate need for money mm. and then there was a very bad saga and chapter. Yeah. yeah. So that was how I got started. My When I have my first experience and relationship with money, it was credit card debt.
0: Mm, I know what you mean. I didn't quite know that I w- that we were in debt, but I knew that my dad was really stretching it financially. And all he kept telling us was, you know what, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And you know how dads are, right? Yeah. Don't worry about it. We just want to make sure you're comfortable. So when was it that you realized that these habits were actually detrimental to your family and ultimately to financial health, to someone's financial health?
2: So as a young kid, I was telling my dad like, hey, why are we moving to such a small house? Yeah. So he broke down and cried. And then that was the first time I saw him crying. Uh, and I felt the financial pressure because I realized that when someone have money stress like mm. me, he actually hurts the relationship with the family because he felt that my dad couldn't live up to the expectations. Yeah. So, so these creep in really early for me. Mm. Fortunately, I was so haunted by it. I was so against credit card debt moving forward. So... Rather than a bad habit, right, I experienced it firsthand. Mm. And it actually got me extremely prudent when it comes to money.
0: When did you start practicing Mm. the opposite of what your dad did?
2: I think especially when I start to make money in my poly days. Mm, As a part-timer. I was like 18, 19 years old as a part-timer, right? right? I start to be this massive saver, right? Mm. But there's a very big downside to that as well because I became like a hodler. I just hold on the money because I don't want to be poor again, Mm. right? And then actually, that is really not a good habit.
0: Right. Okay, that's Mm. interesting. Walk me through that.
2: I was just so obsessed with holding to more money and I have zero financial exposure in terms of investment because right. I was so cautious, right? Mm-hmm. And when I really stepped into my first investment, it was 24, I was okay. being soaked with some pre-IPO shares. Oh, it's wow. It, it sounds weird just hearing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I got no clue, right? So I invested 30K of my hard-earned money. Oh my gosh. Money that I... I really saved for quite a long while. Yeah, that's while. a
0: long time for a part-timer.
2: Right. When, and then especially when after your army days, right? So yeah. I took so long to save this amount thinking that it would get me to reach us in like 10x to oh, the moon, right? Oh no. So I just realised the company was a scam and that mm. was a very big painful thing. And um, Oh man. No experience growing up and my first investment was Flushing everything away from my bank.
0: So basically, yeah. you try to turn things around for yourself only to fall into a different kind of trap. You became a victim of a scam, an investment scam. And all that hard-earned money just
2: gone. It is. I was in a very bad habit and space mm-hmm. of trying to prove myself right. Yeah. So I'm just ignoring every red flag and just want to be so obsessed with the answers I needed to say yes to that bad investment Mm -hmm. scheme, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no such thing as market research or or reading up. And honestly, if I were to just Google it, I would have, we had Google right, by this right. time. Yeah. <laughs> I would have avoided it, right? but I was avoiding red flags. That's how crazy mm. my wealth blueprint was. Yeah. Not hunting for them and yes. seeking clarity, but I was just literally ignoring red flags. And that was really, really bad. Yeah. So. I
0: mean, I wouldn't necessarily blame you. Yes, it was a very painful lesson, but you also grew up in a household that didn't necessarily give you that financial literacy. How did you crawl back out of that one?
2: It was, it was really hard, right? Because that left a huge scar in investing. Mm-hmm. So, me being an entrepreneurial person, I started doing my own business 12 years ago. So, I was just so obsessed then to focus on my business. Mm-hmm. Every dollar I have, I just start throwing into my business mm-hmm. and reinvesting into it, right? Yeah. And, what I realised at my late 20s mm-hmm. was I completely mismanaged my personal finance because oh. it was such a dark chapter to overcome. Yeah. I'd rather just don't look at it anymore and say, hey, you know what? If I put in hard work for my business, maybe one day I can become like a huge millionaire right? <laughs> running business like a young yeah. 20s, right? So, so but it was really bad because when I have very bad personal financial grips for my own mm. finance, actually, is a reflection in my business as well. Yes. So, I was doing the same thing but right now in a different medium. Oh, I was investing no. in the raw marketing campaigns. Yes. I was, Hiring people without concern about budgeting. So oh. I realised that I don't really escape from this trap, right? It was the same trap. Yes. It was in a different platform. So this is
0: like a third round for you. It was
2: a third round, right? Oh yeah. my
0: gosh.
2: I mean, I can elegantly put it now because I kind of... <laughs> because I, we
0: survived it, Yeah, right? I kind of like
2: survived it, right? But I can assure you during those periods, it was pain. And oh, sure. and we talk about bad business decision, mm-hmm. right? I, I sunk into close to about $150,000 <sighs> of business losses. Oh yeah. my. It wiped out the entire bank account to overdraft. It was bad. So, when you talk about investing, right? So people will be like excited about what move I made, but when I look at myself, right, I made the same bad decision personally and in my business as well. So I have to get out of this rut. That was my my yeah. Because
0: basically, you were perpetuating a vicious cycle over and over again, and you didn't know how to get out of it. Right.
2: It is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's interesting that you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about the toxic financial habits that you harbored. During this time, we usually think of toxic habits as just accumulating debt. But there are other things that we do on the day-to-day, right? Like emotional or stress buying. I'm guilty of that. Getting groceries without checking the cheaper options. Even comparing ourselves to other people, our peers, and then feeling that we need to keep up by going on certain kinds of holidays, Mm. for example, that we can't afford. Break this down for us. How can these potentially be bad habits that lead us to the positions that you and I have landed in?
2: So, I guess when it comes to growing up, I wear a very soft rule when it comes to money management. Mm-hmm. So, the word that is subtly in my mind is called it depends. So, yeah. one of the best systems in Singapore is actually the CPF system. Mm-hmm. It's hard rule, right? It don't go it depends on how much money you put in every month, right? It's <laughs> Dai Dai hard Die-die is there. Yeah, so yeah. what I came up from was to realise the idea of really embracing hard rules when it comes to personal financing mm. maybe even creating your own CPF system with your two different bank accounts, right like taxing yourself right so that's what I've been practicing but when it comes to bad habit is when you allow such thoughts to creep in like mm-hmm. it depends going oh this month actually like, I'm feeling a little bit stressed yeah. maybe I can save a bit lesser mm. uh, actually I think I deserve a little bit more mm. I think I need more self-love <laughs> quote-unquote like, I can spend right self-care, self-care here I self-care, come right? yeah. and, and it really don't pay off because when you allow such it depends rule to creep in even for your personal fitness, you you don't get there, right? I mean, you have to go... It's discipline. You have to go to the gym, not like... Uh, it depends on how well is my quality of sleep tonight, right? So yes. so that was what happened. And to mm. me, there's one overarching bad habits that people wear. And I wear definitely 100% when I was growing up, mm-hmm. right? And it creeps into a decision like what you mentioned, like holiday decision, yeah. lifestyle decision, right? Because yeah. when it's a hard rule, you can't touch the money, right? Yeah. So you only can go too bad, right? Not yeah. it depends. Like, yeah, maybe next month, right? Yes, so.
0: exactly. and And that's what I've started doing as well when it comes to big ticket items, holidays, We always stop ourselves and think, can we afford it? Mm -hmm. If we can, okay, let's go for it. If not, then you know what, maybe next year. So that's a fantastic way of putting it. Having a hard rule and really instilling that discipline. So I crawled painfully out of my own debt, the old school way. I gave tuition after my nine to six job. I don't know how I did it. On top of that, I was starving all the time because I would buy a jumbo loaf of bread and a tub of cream cheese. I'll put that in my office fridge. And that would be my breakfast and lunch for the rest of the week until payday. That was my scenario for a whole year. And on top of that, I refused my parents' help because I was also in a way punishing myself because I wanted to feel this pain so I would never forget it so that I would never ever get in this trap again, right? So I'm curious, how did you come out of that?
2: The real first thought that came to my mind was why are we not best friends yet? Because... (laughs) I did that loaf of bread thing and, really? and stuff just to get by my poly days, oh, right? This, this so, was a fist bump. This yeah, it's, it's, a fist it's so bump. crazy because it's just so happy to know that I'm not suffering alone. Yeah. There are people who I really know. made bad choices and get out, right? Yes. But on the more serious note of what you just mentioned, mm. right? I guess the the idea was to really sit down and have that personal conversation that nobody's there to give you that final advice if you have no clarity of what you really want, right? Mm. So seeking education was my first step. Yeah. So I was really surrendering myself to like numbers because oh I'm not a financial guy mm. I have to remove toxic sentence like this yeah. like, I'm not a numbers guy I'm, I don't know about investment I'm a business person right just
0: because you're not a numbers guy doesn't mean you cannot right. be yeah. Yeah. so
2: I have to start from internally removing those sentences mm. then really go out there to seek the knowledge what I then begin to do was really looking out for practitioners to me that's so important because mm. you can learn from theories people who say do this do that right but i really surround myself with people who are doing it right to me that's so important because mm. when they put their money into what they're doing the commission is different yeah and when they share how they do it right that, that comes from a real life experience so mm. that's how i really get off my rut i have no money but i know that network was important yes uh, my family profile i love them my dad is so close to me but none of them are financially literate <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's the pure fact right like, yeah. if, if not why will we be the classic money-know-enough plot of Jack yeah, right? exactly. So I have to surround myself with a different group of people mm. and the hardest part was getting them to accept me as their friend. Yeah, because I have no values to play, right? I'm yes. not someone who have deep wealth knowledge we're, in we're investment. we're not, we're
0: not in their circle. We're not in the league, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So
2: that was a tough push. So I forced myself to surround myself with a different group of friends, mm. and lastly, is really to just choose a field to be focusing in. Mm. Like I realize you can't master stocks, you can't master like everything I want to do, right? Yeah. So I picked something that I really like growing okay. up, which is real estate. I'm um, that. I'm that weird kid of like <laughs> 16 years old looking at condo. Wow, yeah, really? I, I can't afford it but I just like to go to the new launch and showroom to see, right? I know, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I picked real estate because there's just this soft touch to like owning a home right? and I see how can I be good at at least one thing so that I can change my financial well-being.
0: That's a very interesting approach to how you got out of it. My way was just brutality on self-inflicted brutality so actually the other end of the toxic financial spectrum too and you brought this up briefly also people who are obsessed with money you were hoarding it at one point right and they have what experts call a scarcity mindset essentially you're Mm. just squirreling away all that money because you're just so afraid to be out of it, right? Have you come across other people like that and what do you say to them?
2: Oh, I have the perfect story to always tell people on this. Probably because if you spend your whole time saving, right? Mm -hmm. You will eventually still make a business investment move, like a business move or investment move. So if you don't make the mistake with a $1,000, you're going to make it with a $10,000 mistake. Mm -hmm. So like me, I wasn't investing Thousands. So my first mistake was a tens of thousands of mistakes. Yep. So what happened to a lot of people when they are hoarders yeah. is that by the time they reach the 50s, their first investment move is about two to four hundred thousand dollars. Oh. And can you imagine that first investment move was ten times worse than mine when oh, they when I'm they realized so, they lose everything?
0: I'm so nervous listening to this already. Yeah,
2: so my point is that you really can't avoid mistakes. So you rather start spending thousands to clock the lessons, Mm. than when you are faced with this predicament where I have to do this all-in move. And if it's a big sum and you have no experience, right, you're going to get caught. And that's why you see a lot of cases of like big money game scams where... People are irrationally putting in $200,000. Because it's a quick buck, right? Because they are not educated their whole life. Mm. They have been hoarding monies Mm. and finally, they have to do something without knowledge, right? So that is the most painful part. So I say to people, if you are not willing to let go of $1,000 to learn Mm. by buying stocks and realise what does it mean to you, right? at a time when you are so desperate to invest, you're going to get caught really badly.
0: Oh, that's a really good scenario and it can be fatal to your financial health and you don't want to end up there, right? So we talk a lot about setting financial goals What if you earn a modest salary then, and then you have a family to feed? And, you know, Mm. we're living in expensive times, 9% GST, high interest rates. Yes, the Fed is going to start cutting rates, everyone else will follow suit, but we're not going to see the effects of that until much later in the year even. How do we start if we are earning just that kind of salary and yet have that cost of living to bear with?
2: Really simple. 90 plus percent of people in Singapore are homeowners. And if you really get three moves right throughout your next two, three decades of your life, you will inevitably end up with a seven-figure retirement sum. Mm. So even if you have no money to invest outside of your home, mm-hmm. you need to be extremely crucial about your home decision. For example, what do you do after you get a BTO? What do you do after MOP five years later, right? right. Those are key moves because you do have new money, right? Yes, You can't save, right? Exactly. So Exactly. But you need to get that three real estate move right. Because mm. once you get them right, you are riding along inflation. So inflation is on your side. Mm. The problem with savers, like we said earlier, is that inflation is against them. Right. So they are always desperately trying to make a crazy move at the end of the day when saving for 30 years because they are now realizing that their savings is not big enough. So yeah. once you attach yourself to the financial instruments, say you own a real estate with debt, good debt, then you are riding along inflation, right? So yeah. I say to a lot of people that there's really hope even though you have no money. Correct. The same story will, will be our parents, right? Mm. I will say that because if our dad to make three crucial real estate moves during their times, they will probably end up with a terrace home. Yeah, without any additional single savings exactly and that's what is still possible in today's age not about owning a zone, but at least having a comfortable retirement pot if you get a real estate move right Mm. so that's why I say to people you are making those moves anyway be extremely crucial about those moves and don't do it loosely for your real estate decision.
0: Yeah, your timing and your homework is Mm -hmm. everything in that decision. What would you advise then to someone who is done with debt, trying or trying to kick bad financial habits? What's the first thing we do once we're out of debt?
2: I'm going to say something controversial.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hear it. We like controversial Is to get back into debt. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Walk me through this.
2: Yeah, because especially if you have a limited amount of money, Mm -hmm. you have to use that and leverage to maximize your return. Okay. I think real estate is safe enough in Singapore. Let's not talk about overseas mm-hmm. to use that debt for safety. So you want to re-establish your relationship with debt. Okay. Because as much as there's a lot of bad debt, mm-hmm. but think about it, right? How many billions and millionaires actually have debt? I think almost everyone, right? Yeah. So the very fundamental fact is that most people are debt-free, but they are not financially free.
0: Right.
2: So to get to financially free, you have to build a new relationship with Mm debt because that is the fastest way to help you to get there
0: what do you mean by building a new relationship with Mm. debt how does one do that
2: right yeah so it sounds very pseudo right but but it's actually very technical so number one understand where does the interest go to Mm -hmm. if I buy a home and I'm paying mortgage do I actually make money Mm -hmm. and why are some people proclaiming that they make 20% a year when the market is only growing at 4%. So, mm. you really need to re-establish clarity of using that because if you understand where the money goes to, how does the principal pay down makes you way wealthier and how does that give you a multiply effect of your capital appreciation, those things helps you to now finally understood what is that all about and right. why the richest uses that. Mm. And, and why, why if they have cash, why don't they always pay cash, right? Yeah. So, there's a reason why so, right? If you have a small pot of gold, Mm. let's just say, we're not talking about people with like generation wealth right? Yeah. Then it's important for you to find your own formula. What do I mean? Find something that can make you about 15 to 20% a year Mm. rather than 5%. See, I'm I'm not opposed with 5% but my problem is if I have 50,000 the 5% can't do much right? Correct. In 30 years right? Yeah. So you have to master either a stock game or a real estate game.
0: Right. So
2: and if you want to make 15 to 20% in real estate, you have to embrace that
0: is real estate the only way I can get that kind of return though?
2: I think there's many ways mm-hmm. but for me personally mm. my own opinion is it's safe enough for me to take that in real estate. Right. I, I don't take that in stock mm. in every other instrument not even in crypto I, Why I is would never that? do that. Because the exposure is really huge and real estate is a income generating asset. Got which, it. Which means it will always have its value right mm. versus the stock right because the mm-hmm. company can go bust tomorrow Yeah. and now you're on a huge debt from the stock price, right? Correct. I mean, like, if it all go- went crashing, right? So for me, real estate have a utility to it. Like, is, okay. is there some yeah. value, right? right? And think about it. I just do not see a way where Singapore real estate will drop 20%. So there's just always that base value, right? So it will be very safe to have that debt on real estate.
0: Interesting perspective. I like that. Rebuilding your relationship with debt. I'm going to keep that in a placard in my house. Just to wrap up our conversation here. Is it possible for someone to take these toxic habits well into adulthood and old age and what's going to be the trajectory to get out of it? Can we change that?
2: It's never too late to change but more importantly is how should we change it, right? Mm-hmm. I think education is a good approach, but not the best approach. Right. You really need to change the people around you mm. because you need that positive pressure, mm. right? Then the negative comfort around you to say, stick to those bad habits, right? So you have to find a community of people that allow you to practice financial habits differently. And we talk about these young people. My daughter is four years old. She's given a weekly allowance and she have to manage her finances right now. Wow. And she might be very new to this, but it starts from there. She yeah. knows that daddy makes money from buying and renting. Mm-hmm. So she said buy and rent. <laughs> so then I asked her, what is rent? Yeah, Collecting money every month. Wow. So I think the exposure is so important, mm. especially for younger folks because of the need to invest. At mm. in the world where whatever is going on with the wealth gap widening, you have to be equipped to invest. And I would say that The next generation must learn financial literacy and investment.
0: Well, you know what? By the time your daughter gets to primary school, she'll be teaching her peers at the canteen what to buy and what to (laughs) rent and collect money. So kudos to you for giving your daughter a good head start. And it's something I'm sure you and I wish we had. But without the adversities that we had and overcame after that, we wouldn't be in the position to teach the next generation as well, right? And that's what we're doing here at Money Mm -hmm. Talks as well. So Benny, thank you so much, really, for sharing your story, living this parallel life with me. I don't feel alone anymore. And most importantly, your wisdom. Thank you for sharing all of that with us on Money Talks.
2: So happy to be here.
0: And as always, a big thank you to you, listener. If you found this episode especially helpful and enlightening please let us know we would love to hear your survival stories as well we're streaming on Apple Podcasts Spotify we're also up on YouTube so if you have the time take a listen leave us a rating and those comments for Money Talks the team is Joanne Chan Tiffany Ang Crispina Robert Saya Wint and I'm Andrea Heng.